You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is the Secretary of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses, Cindy Johnson. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. Today is September 3rd, 2023, and this is episode 241 of Lighthearted. We're going to have two segments today. First, we'll hear about an exciting Maine lighthouse cruise that's coming up later this month, and then we'll hear about an amazing lens project at Graves Light in Boston Harbor. First, happy Labor Day weekend. Thanks. Happy Labor Day, everyone. People have traditionally thought of Labor Day as the end of the summer tourist season, but I don't think that's true anymore. There's still lots going on well into the fall here in New England, and of course in some parts of the country, lighthouses are actually open all year. Uh, fall in New England, I would say, is probably my favorite time of year. How about you? Yeah, it's definitely my favorite time of year. There's nothing quite like uh, fall in New England. It's just really special. I think so, too. And we're getting some uh, relatively cool, nice uh, fall-type air here lately, mm-hmm. so it's really nice. So how did Labor Day originate in the first place, Cindy? Do you happen to know about that? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Labor Day is an annual celebration of the social and economic achievements of American workers. The holiday is rooted in the late 19th century when labor activists pushed for a federal holiday to recognize the many contributions workers have made to America's strength, prosperity, and well-being. The first Labor Day holiday was celebrated on Tuesday, September 5, 1882, in New York City, in accordance with the plans of the Central Labor Union. On June 28, 1894, Congress passed an act making the first Monday in September of each year a national holiday. Wow. (laughs) I'm very impressed. It's amazing you knew all that off the top of your head. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Here's one more important fact about Labor Day. The first, the very first Waffle House in the U.S. opened on Labor Day in 1955 in Avondale Estates, Georgia. So I thought you should know that. (laughs) Yum. Good to know. (laughs) So moving on, let's uh, introduce our first segment for today about a very special cruise that's coming up soon. Cindy, please help me out. Sure. In addition to their nature cruises, Bar Harbor Whale Watch in Maine runs regular sightseeing cruises that go near several of the local lighthouses. For years pre-pandemic, the company also ran occasional all-day lighthouse cruises that passed close to as many as 15 or 20 lighthouses. An annual July cruise was known as the Grand Slam Cruise. Often there were three all-day lighthouse cruises per year, including a Penobscot River cruise in October. Yeah, uh, the cruises are narrated by Bob Trapani Jr., Executive Director of the American Lighthouse Foundation, and me, with occasional participation from Chris Mills, Canadian author and former lighthouse keeper. Also aboard the cruises was photographer Mike Leonard, who helped participants with tips for excellent photography. Zach Cliver of Bar Harbor Whale Watch did a great deal to develop those cruises, and he also did some narration about Acadia National Park and other sites along the way. The cruises were put on hold during the pandemic. Just before that, Zach Cliver left his full-time position at the Whale Watch to become an ocean conservation consultant. He is the president and founder of Mysticetus Consulting Group and an international whale ecotour company called Flukes. His newest venture is Maine Coast Lights, and it is through this business that he is bringing back the tradition of the Grand Slam cruise with Bar Harbor Whale Watch with an all-day cruise on Sunday, September 24th. 
Yes, I'm really looking forward to doing the cruise on the 24th with our old team. Joining me for this podcast interview are Zach Cliver, Mike Leonard, and Bob Trapani. Let's listen to our conversation now. I'm speaking today uh, with my friends, uh, three uh, people I've known a long time. We have Zach Cliver, uh, who is uh, actually uh, the man who's kind of put together this new cruise we're going to talk about today, and Bob Trapani. Jr., uh, the executive director of the American Lighthouse Foundation, and Mike Leonard, ace photographer, and uh, he has been on many of these cruises uh, from Bar Harbor and other lighthouse cruises I've been involved with, including one just uh, very recently out of Rye, New Hampshire. So thanks to all three of you very much for being with me today to talk about this exciting cruise. So why don't we start with Zach? First, let's go back in history a little bit. The four of us have been on a number of cruises together. I, I can't even guess how many, but it's really quite a few in the past. Can you tell me how the all-day lighthouse cruises that Bar Harbor Whale Watch did for years, how did those develop in the first place? Yeah, well, it's great to be with you today. Thanks so much. And I think, well, if we go back with our, our history with lighthouses at the Whale Watch, uh, it was around 2005 that uh, Captain Matt and I thought of doing a dedicated trip. And we planned out a route and we pitched it to the general manager and he thought it was a good idea. So we started doing lighthouse tours locally to see five lighthouses uh, every day. And one of the best things we did was hire a local writer and author named Richard Sassman to be the lead lighthouse guide on those trips. And he was for many years. And then I think it was around 2008 that that you, Jeremy, and, and Bob came to us with the idea of doing a 10 lighthouse charter for the American Lighthouse Foundation. And that was in July. And I believe, if I remember correctly, that it rained that day. And uh, so we were in the rain, but it was still a lot of fun. And so that that kind of piqued our interest in doing, you know, uh, more more longer tours. Uh, but it wasn't until about 2011 that Richard and I were um, were in the office and we started talking about how many lighthouses could we see in one day, you know, if we if we could take the boat for the whole day. And so we sat down with a chart and we started figuring out routes. We were like, oh, this way would be 17. Oh, wait, we could do this way and we get 18, you know? And uh, it was out of that that we we came up with this idea to do the these, what we're calling Grand Slam tours. And uh, the next, I think it was the next year in 2000 or, uh, well, maybe 2013, I think we, in July, we did a trip. We were able to get you and Bob to join us. And we wound up uh, having a beautiful day and we saw 20 lighthouses. We went to Matinicus Rock Light and to Mount Desert Rock and it was an amazing day and that that launched it. So it's been 10 years. Yeah. And of course, some of those uh, cruises, a lot of times what we call the Grand Slam cruise also crossed the line into New Brunswick a bit. And we saw a few Canadian lighthouses and we had our mutual friend Chris Mills helping with some of the narration a couple of times as well. And that was a, a treat. Uh, so uh, you, uh, Zach, have uh, kind of revived that tradition with this cruise we're doing this year. Was the was the last time we did this 2019? Is that correct? And yeah, yes. And then COVID came along and disrupted mm -hmm. everything, of course. Uh, so I, I can't tell you how many times I've been asked. It's like a, a week barely goes by where somebody doesn't ask me 
When are you going to do those Bar Harbor cruises again? I love those so much. I hear that a lot. So I, we're making a lot of people happy by bringing this back. What made you decide to revive the tradition with the cruise we're doing on September 24th? Yeah, well, I I love the adventure of these trips. They're so they're they're so fun. And uh, I had I had left the Whale Watch and was on my own and was very engaged in my consulting work around ocean conservation and and uh, more recently have come back to the business I started, um, uh, which was doing eco tours, extended eco tour trips. And uh, you know the whale. I know the whale watch has been been uh, planning to to start these trips again. Uh, but I went to the to the whale watch and said, you know, what could I charter the boat to to do a couple of trips uh, this year? And uh, they said, yeah, go ahead. Why don't Why don't you do it? You know, why don't you launch this again? And mm-hmm. so I'm really pleased that we have this opportunity to to um, to go back and bring the team together and. And and run these. Uh, we'll we'll start with this this trip on the twenty fourth, and and we designed the uh, route so we're up in the protection of the island. So we're really hopeful that that will help us uh, avoid having to cancel. You know, so we'll we'll be protected for the trip. So that that should help a lot and mm-hmm. make this trip uh, viable. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to it, and I want to just thank you and uh, from. Uh, you know, my personal standpoint, I'm excited to be doing this again. So thank you, Zach, uh, very much for doing this. Uh, Mike, let's go to you. Uh, can you, uh, this is, of course, Mike Leonard, photographer, and uh, great to have you here today. And can you explain a little bit about what you do on these cruises, Mike? Sure. And first, Jeremy, thanks for having me. And I, too, will echo uh, to Zach how thrilled I am to see this come back because I get a lot of feedback from people asking, hey, when are you going to do this again? And for this to literally come up just a week ago uh, that it's going to go, it was like, holy cow. <laughs> so so this is wonderful. Uh, what I do on board is to help people to make their best shots of these unique lighthouses, many of which that you cannot see unless you are on board a boat. And because you've got this unique opportunity, we want to make sure that you come out of this making your best shot. Now, this is a photography cruise. And unlike a harbor cruise where you might go by the lighthouse at full steam and you get what you can, this cruise, we stop at the lighthouse. And in fact, in the past, we've rotated the boat 360 degrees. So everybody on board gets a good look angle of the lighthouse. And so you all get to go home with postcard quality images or better, actually, I'd like to say. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this so unique. The other aspect of this for me is I get to meet a lot of photographers. I get to help them uh, to learn how to use their cameras a little better. This sometimes is a learning cruise where some people will go buy a new camera, then they come on board to want to learn it. And uh, for those folks, I actually offer a program the night before, and that's going to be held in town in Bar Harbor. And that's a free program where I call it Make Your Best Shot. And I go over things that you should have read in your camera instruction manual, but honestly, who does that? (laughs) So I go over some, uh, some topics 
that you should know, and I have an emphasis on what you should be doing to make your best shot the next day. And then I'm on board the cruise. You can come down and see me at any time, and I'm there to help you make your best shot. Mm -hmm. I never read manuals of any kind. (laughs) I appreciate what you do, and you're so good, Mike, at explaining these things in a way that everybody can understand. Uh, I've had you on the podcast a few times, and and, uh, you know, it might sound funny to have a photographer on on the podcast, but again, you uh, you make it uh, easy for for everybody, and even me <laughs> to understand. So, <laughs> so it's going to be great to uh, be on the cruise with you again, Mike and Bob. Um, you and I have done so many so many events and cruises and things together. We've known each other a long time, so you must be really excited about starting these these cruises again. What are your feelings about uh, doing the cruise this year? Well, I think I can speak for a lot of people. Uh, One word would be anticipation. It's off the charts. I mean, uh, like you folks, I've heard of many people ask the same thing. When's these cruises coming back? And here we are. And it's an amazing lighthouse cruise, of course. But it's it's more than that. It's a a -a one-of-a-kind experience that promises to last a lifetime. I remember each one. uh, And they're each unique. Uh, The the beauty of the sea, it's magnificent. It's on magnificence is on full display and you know it's uh we get to reacquaint with old friends meet new ones and i think that's all part of the experience so yeah anticipation for this is is definitely off the charts for me yeah yeah me too so i just want to make something clear uh when we uh slow down and actually as mike said stop the boat first of all we don't get off at the lighthouses i want to make that clear but we do slow way down and give people plenty of time to photograph and usually uh, what happens is I do a little narration about the general history of the place, some human interest stories, that kind of thing. And then, Bob, you uh, often talk about some of the preservation angles. Also, uh, because you're also a lighthouse technician, you talk about some of the technology as well. So you really we I think we're a good tag team. We uh, give people a good amount of information without overwhelming them at each place. And um, Zach, how much time do we spend at each lighthouse on this cruise approximately? going to be eight to ten minutes that's really good yeah. and turning the boat around and everything gives everybody a great opportunity gets as mike was saying to get some great pictures so we're going near 20 lighthouses is that correct on this cruise is that right zach yes it's 156 miles uh we'll see hundreds of islands 18 of the 20 lighthouses are on islands it's only the rockland breakwater and owl's head lights that are not on islands so uh, a lot of these are more offshore and a challenge to get to, including uh, my favorite Saddleback. And you you and Bob helped bring that history alive. And it's such an incredible story there that I think that the whole boat goes silent just listening to that. And it's just a poignant moment in the trip. I love it. You know? mm-hmm. Saddleback is great. I, I yeah. It's one of my favorites, too. And there are some tremendous uh, historical stories with that place. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, without going through the whole list... Uh, Can you mention a couple other highlights we're going to be seeing on that day? Yeah, uh, you know, we were coming uh, along the shore of Acadia. We're going uh, uh, to Bear and Bass, and we're cutting across Blue Hill Bay. We're doing Egamog and Reach, Eastern Penobscot. Then we go through the uh, Fox Island thoroughfare. So that's between North Haven and Vinyl Haven. Uh, we're going to go, uh, well, we'll visit Pumpkin Light, which I think is a really beautiful one at the end of mm-hmm. Megamog and Reach. 
Um, we'll do that whole shore uh, from Islesboro all the along Lincolnville and Camden, Rockland. And then we'll go offshore to Saddleback, Isla Ho, Light. And then we come back toward Mount Desert Island uh, with the setting sun uh, toward uh, Burnt Coat Light and Swans and, and mm-hmm. then Frenchman Bay to see Winter Harbor and, and Egg Rock. Yeah. Fantastic. And as you said, they're almost all on islands, and those are the hard ones for people to photograph. And this gives you an awful lot of bang for, for one day. It's it's really incredible. And besides, well, you just mentioned uh, the route, but maybe a little bit more. And of course, Zach, in addition to me and Bob talking about the lighthouses, you uh, provide narration about Acadia National Park and some of the, the sites around there, maybe uh, some other things, maybe some wildlife along the way where bound to see some wildlife. Uh, so can you say a little bit more about what else people see on this cruise besides lighthouses? Yeah, that's the amazing thing for me often with these trips is uh, we we are focused on the lighthouses. But as, as Bob was saying, as the trip is unfolding, you're realizing, oh, my goodness, like we're, we're getting so much more than that. Uh, we're seeing hundreds of beautiful islands, and and all, uh, there are many trips where there's a lot of marine life. So we're seeing porpoises and seals, and maybe ocean sunfish or tuna, or even whales, you know, which we've had on many trips. Um, so then there's schooners. We often see beautiful schooners under sail and try to position the boat so you can get photographs of those. There's fishing mm-hmm. boats. Uh, there's coastal mansions, beautiful homes. And when you when you take all of that together, you re, you know it's like the quintessential main tour, and it's it's got it's got so much in it, you know. Yeah, well, I'll yeah. tell you if I if even if I wasn't narrate being, being one of the narrators on this cruise, I would uh, I would come on it. <laughs> I'd buy <laughs> yeah. one of the first tickets for sure. Jeremy, I think uh, to reinforce what Zach is saying, I think each area that we're going to be in has its own sense of place. And all these islands, and when, and when you're putting the uh, the wind jammers possibly, and and the and the wildlife, and we'll be going by the Camden Hills, and all. I mean, it's it's truly an experience that that goes well beyond the lighthouses. So absolutely, yeah, I, and I agree that it's like the quintessential main cruise, the most uh, stuff you could possibly see in in one day is packed into this cruise. So, uh, what boat are we using for this? We're on the Friendship 5, which is a jet-powered catamaran designed in Australia. It travels at uh, up to 31 miles an hour. It's got three decks. It's got lots of uh, indoor comfortable seating. It is uh, it is the best boat for this uh, type of tour. We use it offshore to do you know extended uh, trips for whales offshore, uh, but it's a really comfortable boat and seaworthy and... Uh, and uh speed speedy too yeah oh it's a great boat and it's what we used for these cruises in the past so it'll be great to be back on there i think too in uh with the friendship five one you know we all like to take pictures and i I love the elevation it's you will get that you cannot get that on any other boat which gives it the lighthouses a completely different perspective and then important for us is we generate all this excitement and fun but because the boat is able to go at the speeds we are able to keep that momentum carrying over and that excitement from light to light a lot better where you just don't have those downtimes of long stretches where you have to go 10 knots to a lighthouse. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important too. Our momentum during this cruise is just great. Yeah, definitely. So uh, next I have a, a 
well, it's a, uh, not quite the final question, but I have a question for all three of you. And I'm going to start with Mike, okay? Mm. And this is for bonus points, okay, Mike? Okay. What is your yeah? What is your favorite thing about doing these lighthouse cruises out of Bar oh, Harbor? Well, that that's a good uh, good question. I think uh, being able to see lighthouses that you normally don't get to see, uh, as was mentioned earlier, some uh, only two of these lighthouses I guess you can drive to and see on land. Even with the longest telephoto lens, you're not going to get pictures of many of these lighthouses because they're so far offshore. So. I really like being able to see something that for some people, it might be a once in a lifetime opportunity. I've been uh, so fortunate to have been aboard these Grand Slam tours in the past and to say that I've seen a lighthouse more than once. I'm just as excited to want to photograph it a second or a third time. And I know for a lot of people, they're doing it for a first time. So um, I'd say just the thrill of seeing the lighthouses and if I had to throw in a bonus is the fact that you do see, as Bob mentioned, other topical uh, features. I remember the year that we saw a whale and that was a bonus. And then there was a year there was a bald eagle and we've seen some other, uh, we saw puffins one time and um, those are all bonuses. And even though it's not in the description, if you will, these are some of the the fun things that are that are uh, presented, um, and I look forward to what's not listed, if that makes sense. Definitely, um, and I just want to throw in uh, two of the lights again are not on islands, Alice Head and Rockland Breakwater, but Rockland Breakwater is in a sense offshore. If you walk mm. to it, you got to walk almost a mile long breakwater out to it and back. <laughs> And actually, I think the best photographic views are from the water. Uh, so, and I, Owl's Head, too, is so photogenic mm -hmm. from the water. Uh, mm -hmm. I personally prefer photographing from the water. It's great on land, too. But let me go to Bob at this point. What's your favorite thing about these cruises, Bob? Adventure. And then the idea that we like to share the importance about preserving lighthouses on this cruise is these cruises. But I think the other thing is, is that it, it also demonstrates our need to conserve the oceans and the marine and wildlife that call the, these precious waters and these lighthouse sites home. So I think we get to see all that, but we walk away with a lot of fun, but also understanding that we have a responsibility too. And uh, that I think just they, that's just awesome. It's an adventure. Very, very well said. And Zach, what's your favorite thing about these cruises? Or things? Yes. Yes, the, the totality of all, all, all of it together is, is um, incredible. And, and it's, it's so fun to reflect at the end of the trip on everything that you've seen in a day. It just fills your, your head. But uh, I think for me, I really love the, the history that you guys share and, mm. and you bring the, the lights and the people that were there to, to life. You know, and I and I love that part of it that uh, we're we're learning so much. Um, I often think, you know, if we think about Europe, right, and and you have Greek and Roman temples and castles, and then in Egypt you have the pyramids, and you have this thousands of years of history, and and then here we we don't have that ancient history. But we have lighthouses, and those are often a few hundred years old, and the the 
we have this incredible shorelines on both coasts. And these lighthouses were put in these incredible places. They're some of the most beautiful places in the in the Americas. And the people that were there, their lives were extraordinary, you know, and, and the history is so incredible from, from uh, Sumner Kimball and and Augustine Fresnel, you know, the designing of the Fresnel lens was so extraordinary. And uh, in, in Maine, we have uh, Marcus Hanna, you know, a Civil War uh, veteran who fought in the Navy and Army. And then, uh, be, you know, won, he won a, a Medal of Honor in the Civil War. And then he, be, he won a, a Lighthouse uh, Medal of Honor as well for saving people as a lighthouse keeper. Uh, at, uh, and then there's the, I mean, the women, uh, Abby Burgess and Ida Lewis, I mean, and the, their stories are incredible. And they they represent like what's the best of America to me. They're they're courageous, they're brave, they're honorable. And, you know, to to bring that to for us to feel some pride in our history is so important. And that shared that shared, you know, pride and, and understanding of where we've come from beautifully said, and I agree with everything you're saying a, a thousand percent. So Zach, let me ask you, what is the cost of this cruise and how do people uh, sign up and how do they get more information about it? Yes, it's $239 per person. And uh, you can uh, email mainecoastlights at gmail.com. You can also call me directly at 207-460-9575. And of course, we have you. You guys have been so kind, posting uh, information on uh, lots of places where people can can receive it. But uh, yeah, mainecoastlights at gmail.com is a great place to reach me, and mm -hmm. uh, we'll send you the, the tour packet and get you signed up. Yeah, I realize one thing we haven't mentioned is that people also get some uh, really good food on the cruise as well, right? Yeah, yeah, we we have uh, some breakfast uh, that we bring on board, fruit and bagels and cream cheese, and then uh, we have uh, gourmet sandwiches for lunch and cookies, and mm. uh, yeah, we we make sure no, nobody goes home hungry. <laughs> yeah, the food has always been great, so I, I didn't want to forget to mention that as well. So I am so looking forward to this. It's going to be great to have our team back together. So thank you so much for, for doing this, uh, arranging this cruise, Zach. And thank you all three of you for being uh, with me on the podcast today. And I hope we'll see some of our listeners, some of the listeners to this podcast. I'm going to ask that anybody who is hearing about it on this podcast and signs up for the cruise because of hearing about it here, uh, tell us that you heard about it in the podcast. I'd love to hear that. So Again, thank you, all three of you. Look forward to seeing you on board. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Again, to get information on the cruise on September 24th and to reserve your spot, email maincoastlights at gmail.com or call Zach Cliver at 207-460-9575. As I said in the interview, I hope to see some of our listeners on the cruise and be sure to stop by. Any listeners who come along, stop by and say hi if you're on board. Now let's move on to our second segment today about an unusual new lens project. Cindy, please help me introduce this segment. Sure, Jeremy. Graves Lighthouse is a 113-foot-tall granite tower on a barren wave-swept ledge in outer Boston Harbor. It began service in 1905 with a huge first-order Fresnel lens from Paris. 
The lens rotated on a bearing of 400 pounds of mercury. It produced a light that was later upgraded to 3.2 million candle power and was for many years the most powerful navigational light in New England. Graves Light was staffed with resident keepers until its 1976 automation. The lighthouse was sold in a government auction in September 2013 to Boston businessman Dave Waller. Well-known philanthropist and photographer Bobby Sager is also a partner with Dave on the preservation of Graves Light. A great deal of restoration has taken place in recent years, including the reconstruction of a walkway across the rocks from the lighthouse to the oil house. The original Fresnel lens, 12 feet high and 9 feet in diameter, presently sits in storage at the Smithsonian. For the past few years, Dave Waller has been assembling his own first order lens from spare parts, and that lens has now been installed in the lighthouse. I was at Graves Light recently on the day the base for the lens was lifted by helicopter up to the lantern level of the lighthouse tower. It was pretty darn cool, I'll tell you. I spoke with Dave Waller about the lens project, and let's listen to that conversation now. I'm speaking with my friend Dave Waller, who's the owner of Graves Lighthouse in Outer Boston Harbor. I just saw Dave recently out at the lighthouse and uh, visited his home and interviewed him for the podcast before. And it's great to talk to you again. Thanks for being with me, Dave. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you. We're going to talk about this amazing lens project you've been involved with lately. It's just, uh, it's really one of a kind. So uh, looking forward to talking about it. But the original Fresnel lens, the original first order Fresnel lens that was in Graves Light when it was built in 1905, I had heard for years that that lens is in storage at the Smithsonian. Am I, is that correct? Is that accurate? Yeah, as far as I know, I did trace it down to a group of crates in a warehouse in the Smithsonian's holdings. Okay. Somewhere next to the Lost Ark, I would imagine. Yeah, they got it, that big warehouse. You've seen it. Yeah, I saw it in the movie. What kind of, uh, when you bought Graveslight, which was what now, 10, ten years ago? How many years ten ago? years ago, coming up in a, in a week, yeah. Wow. Happy anniversary. It's been a while. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what kind of optic was in the lighthouse when you bought it? It had a VBR25, which is a sort of an automotive light bulb and a little plastic Brunel lens. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't do much. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. So that's still there. That's been the, uh, the operating aid to navigation until now, but we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. So uh, you have basically built your own... Not basically, but you've really done it. You've built your own Fresnel lens, uh, your yeah. own first order Fresnel lens, which is like unheard of. <laughs> I just think it's it's so incredible. So what made you decide to to take that on in the first place? Um, well, to be honest, I didn't even think it was, it was something you couldn't do. I just thought you could just do it. So I set out to... First, I got a couple of pieces just for display and and hung them up lower than the the lamp, kind of in the kitchen. And it looked great. And um, and that satisfied me for a while. And then I found a few more. And then when I ran into Tim Nguyen down in uh, at Chance Brothers down in Melbourne, he kept finding, he kept digging up more pieces. And then all of a sudden we look like, wow, we could maybe put a whole lens together here. So the pieces are all Chance Brothers pieces. Is that correct? Yeah, it's all their glass. They had a certain color to the glass that's unmistakable. And um, they all didn't really fit together perfectly because the pieces were all made decades apart for multiple lighthouses. I think there's seven or nine lighthouse lenses have made up this one lens. Mm -hmm. So 
So making it fit was the challenge, trying to get an armature built that my sons and I put together just to frame everything up so it was solid. That was a bit of a trick. Mm -hmm. Did you have any old plans or anything to go by to help you do what you just talked about? Or, or did you just kind of make it up on the on the fly? No, I, um, I uh, couldn't find any plans at all that were like shop drawings, the kind of things that we would need. There's some drawings of an entire assembled lens, but not of the parts that make up the the armature inside. And I tried to go to Hasita Head. I went all the way out to Oregon and wrote to the director and and I called and they just wouldn't let me in to look at the lens because that's another Chance Brothers first order lens. And I wanted yeah. to look at it and photograph how it was built, but they just refused all my phone calls and kind of well, sad. they Probably if they if you told them you're building your own Chance Brothers first order lens, they must have assumed you were just insane. <laughs> so I don't know if, I don't know if that's what happened, but I've it's I've fun. seen that lens. I was out there in 2015, but um, it's a beautiful lens. Yeah, it, it is. It's a beautiful location, incredible. Uh, so you now have a rare. If, if you consider this a Chance Brothers lens, which it kind of is, because it's made of uh, pieces of uh, other Chance Brothers lenses. It's one of uh, only a handful of uh, Chance Brothers lenses in the United States and a lighthouse, right? And just to clarify for people, Chance Brothers was a big glass company in England, one of the leading glass makers of the world. And they, uh, the most of our Fresnel lenses used around the world, including this country, were from France, from a small number of companies in France. But then Chance Brothers got into it and uh, kind of late in the game, we got uh, some Chance Brothers lenses. And I think you just mentioned Chance Brothers in Australia, right? I think that's a descendant of the original company. I, I think they're most of the lenses in Australia are Chance Brothers. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But there's still a, a company called Chance Brothers in Australia, right? Still yeah, operating. They, they license the name and they are exclusively um, in the rehabilitation um, of antique lighthouse lenses. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about the process of putting the lens together in your home. I, I saw it. I was there. What was that now? Three years ago, maybe? Yeah. I think uh, when, I yeah. yeah. when I interviewed I was there with Bob Trapani. We interviewed you for the podcast. And at the time, you had a couple of helpers putting pr pretty much the finishing touches on the lens at that time. Yeah. Uh, how long did that process take and how many people were involved in that process? Uh, off and on, it took about nine years um before since when we got our first piece to when we have installed it which is this week but it's kind of gone gone quiet for months and months and then kind of gets picked up again so it wasn't like the full time for nine sure. years um but i'd say probably at least three dozen people have helped out in various ways um which is pretty exciting i think they're all excited about this project and bringing it to a conclusion and actually lighting it up because that's what they're for right yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible enough if you just put that lens together for display, but to actually put it in the lantern of the lighthouse for it to uh, actually uh, be the the aid to navigation is it's just <laughs> I can't I just can't get over it that you've uh, kind of pulled this off. And well, uh, I gotta go thank ahead. the Coast Guard though um, a lot, big because this could have been like you were saying a, cr a crazy person yelling silly things like i'm building this first order lens do you want to work with me on it? it and they did the opposite they were like oh that is the coolest thing ever yeah we'd love to be part of that and so yeah it was great it was really great that's fantastic i was going to ask you about that so just clarify uh for everybody 
the Coast Guard has approved you putting this lens in the lantern of the lighthouse. It'll have yeah. an LED light inside it, and that will be the aid to navigation, right? Yeah, the LED is a specially made uh, cluster that they've been using in vintage lenses because it uses so little power, yep. and it uh, it has a long, long life. So, mm-hmm. so they're sort of tested for that. But I don't think sometimes you hear you see, you hear the word LED and it sounds like a dirty word when it comes to lighting because it's not the most pleasing light. But I've heard this is pretty good, so I can't yeah. wait to. See. Yeah, yeah, I think it's called the C light. Uh... Hmm lens or led s-e-a-l-i-t-e uh and yeah in the last year or so they've been putting them in a bunch of uh, classical fresnel lenses including near me here uh, portsmouth harbor lighthouse inside the oh. fourth order fresnel lens got one of those sea lights it's a green light it had a green acrylic cylinder around it for many years and now it's a green led light inside the lens so we've got this beautiful naked lens again it's not surrounded by a a green cylinder, which is nice. It used to have a deep green. Now it's more of a, somebody uh, described it as a lime jello color now, but it's still a very bright green light and it's still a nice, nice green, but yeah, they're using them uh, all over, which I think is a great, great development. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And the lens, your lens is a rotating lens. It's got bullseye or flash panels. Yeah. uh, So we'll rotate around that led. Right. And it's, it's kind of a cool pattern too. It's, um, so there's four standard flash panels and then there's a blank and then there's a group flash of three so there's a big change in the quality of the beam of light that it puts out and then it there's a blank and then it does its thing again but the Mm -hmm. coast guard had uh where they were a little worried that a four three pattern might confuse mariners with minus light which is a one four three pattern yeah so we blocked out two of the lenses uh sections in our lens so that it's a three three so three short flashes and a group flash oh okay so the characteristic will change a little bit from what it what it was yeah i think right now it's two flashes every 12 seconds mm-hmm. now it'll be these three and then three in 15 seconds okay so they must they'll have to send out a notice to mariners and all that and change it on the light lists if they will yep. yeah yeah that's that's really cool that they were uh cooperative on the on the project more than cooperative yeah they were just gung-ho they were really um everyone's really excited about the project and about working with uh publicly and privately with the same goal you know because we all want the same thing you know yeah and our mutual friend dan may who's a retired rear admiral in the coast guard and was an ocean engineer for many years involved in a lot of lighthouse projects I know he's been supportive, and I was out there with him a couple of weeks ago uh, for part of the process. So I think he's uh, been a help on this too, right? He sure has. Yeah, he's got a lot of a lot of positive energy. That guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. That's a very good description of Dan. So uh, the original lens, the old first order lens, rotated on a mercury bearing. Uh, your lens will rotate. How will it rotate? How, what's the mechanism for that? So the the bearing that we put underneath it um, was built by Tim Nguyen and his team over at Chance Brothers. And it's uh, it's one that they developed to put in mercury baths in a lot of the UK's Trinity House lights. They've retrofitted a lot of them. They drain out the mercury, they clean the pot, and then they slip in this bearing, which is just as tall as the mercury was. And then they set the lens down on it and it's like it was just going perfectly so 
it's a good little system and very strong gears and a beautiful box. And then we had some seismic attenuators built by a guy in um, California. Of course, that's where they're going to make seismic things, right? Um, and he made these special low-riding brass and, and stainless steel uh, shock-absorbing bearings. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. So uh, describe for me the, the process of getting the lens out there getting it out of your home in Malden, Mass, and getting it out to Graves Light. How, just, and I'm interested in the, as much detail as you want to go into in that process. Uh, it must have been at least several boat trips, uh, just taking the lens pieces out there. Yeah, there were 40, 40 crates of just the glass panels to take out and probably another 10 or 20 crates of other materials. And so, I just did a, a few on on a lot of trips. We'd go out there to do some work um, months in advance, and I'd bring out a couple of crates. And then if I'm coming out on the weekend with some friends, I'd get, <laughs> press gang them into helping me carry a couple more crates. <laughs> like mm -hmm. anybody who's kind of swimming by fishing, you know, hey, you want to <laughs> <a> tour? <laughs> Help me with these crates. <laughs> so, uh. so we got the stuff loaded and just filled the shed that's next to the the building, and then put some stuff in the tower. But we were worried about overfilling it um, because there's no space for everything. So we held back some stuff until after the big helicopter lift when we put the the uh, the heavy pieces up by helicopter. And, um, and then we had more space and we brought the rest of the stuff out. But it's been a logistics. Yeah. A lot of little boat trips. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was there for the, the day uh, or you had two days of helicopter uh, lifts out there, right? The, the clarify for me, I think it was a Coast Guard helicopter at first dropped off the, yep. the pieces they, for the, the base. They took, they took them from land because it's harder to get a private pilot to, uh, to permit flying cargo over land, I guess. Mm -hmm. Close roads and stuff. And anyway, Coast Guard kind of got that through and then they landed the stuff on a on the footbridge that we have then mm -hmm. uh the next day we had a private helicopter come in and he set them down up on the parapet for us that was yeah. scary because <laughs> i got to see it, that it was yeah, yeah it was uh <laughs> wow yeah but it didn't uh, everybody did a superb job and, yeah uh, the first there were those two big pieces and the first one uh they had it on this long rope or cable uh dangling it was a bit breezy out that day and there you had two guys two big strong guys at the on the lantern gallery uh ready to grab it and but the rope hanging from it to pull it towards them and i think there were at least three tries with the first one before they were able to grab it that was yeah. a little nerve-wracking it was uh, a little nerve-wracking but then they got it fine and the second one went really smoothly yeah it did yeah that was exciting and um, I think everybody had a good time. And um, and then the next day we got right to work um, jacking the pieces up into the lantern, the heavy pieces, so that we could then build the pedestal underneath. And then we had to take the heavy pieces and set them back down on top of the pedestal. Mm -hmm. So that took, I, that took about four days, a lot longer than I had thought. But it was tricky business and not a lot of room to work. And uh, we wanted to do it safely because it had, you know, the possibility that something could go wrong you're dealing with a lot of heavy stuff overhead yeah you know and uh tim from chance brothers in australia has actually been part of the process there at the lighthouse right yeah we had him, yeah. we hired him to come out for three weeks mm -hmm. and um two of them were in sort of the logistics and planning and and just last minute stuff 
And then the last week was the bringing it out and assembling it. And he, he mm-hmm. centered, he centered the, uh, the bearing to within 10 thousandth of an inch or something like that of being round. And then, um, leveled everything with a laser level and then we had a welder come in and just weld it all in place so that uh the pedestal because we had to make the pedestal from scratch mm-hmm. we, we couldn't find an antique one that would fit but it's made to look like an antique pedestal right i don't sort think it's going to fool any experts uh-huh. <laughs> but it's it's at a glance yes <laughs> yeah okay and uh it's going to be uh the light will be turned on when well we're thinking about mid-september but look what the date is right now, you know, so I'm not holding my breath, but I'd say in this fall, that's probably fair mm-hmm. to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, imagine you'll have a little bit of a party when that happens. I think we should. I think <laughs> we should have a party in the old Edward Rose snow tradition where he brings out a cake shaped like a lighthouse and everybody's wearing their brass buttons and, you know, it's like a, a an official cer- ceremony would be great. Yeah. I don't know how many of our li- I know some of our listeners know who Edward Rose Snow was. He was a popular historian and kind of I've heard him called the Pied Piper of Boston Harbor. He, he was always doing things like that, celebrating anniversaries and bringing groups of people to lighthouses and stuff. And I have pictures of him. I think it was something like 1935, maybe the 30th anniversary of the light, have doing just that with the keepers. He actually had the keeper from Boston Light, I think two keepers from Boston Light. And a couple of other Boston Harbor area keepers there at Graves for the ceremony. I'm not sure if I've given you those photos. If not, I need to. I'd like to see him. Yeah. Yeah. But he's uh, he's presenting a plaque to, uh, I think it's Milton Remy, the keeper yeah. at Graves at the time. He was a keeper for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another. Well, we've talked about Graves and its history on the podcast before, but it's always fun talking about that. Maybe we can do it again sometime. Sure. Uh, so just a, a quick question on a, on a, Unrelated topic, still related to Graves Lighthouse, but nothing to do with the lens. The town of Hull, oh, uh, yeah. I think a lot of people have read about this. It's been in the newspapers a lot. They wanted to charge you property tax. They said that the lighthouse is within the boundaries of the town of Hull. Uh, you fought that, I think, for at least three or four years or something like that. Yeah, I think uh, close, mm-hmm. to, close to five. Okay. And you recently got a f- decision in your favor, right? Yes, the judge was able to look at all the evidence and she spent a long time going over everything and she concluded that uh, that we're not part of the town of Hull. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could have told her that. I could have told everybody that in the first place. But. Everybody in Hull could have told them that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really wasn't able to find anybody who really thought it was part of the town. Yeah, Except the Hull tax Hull. assessor. Yeah. yeah, I think that they saw an untaxed piece of property and they just thought they'd just take a bite and see if they could do it, but it, it costs the town and us a lot of money and a lot of, a lot of headache to be involved in something like that really derailed us from the restoration work that we, that we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's too bad. I'm glad you won the case. I'm sorry. I had to put all that energy and money into it. That's, that's a shame. Yes. It goes hand in hand with doing, doing weird stuff, I guess. huh? <laughs> well, uh, but you did the right thing in that case, I think. I really, really think so. So uh, you've accomplished so much out there. I love seeing the place in person. I hadn't been there in over 20 years since long before you bought it. I went out there with the Coast Guard back in 2001. Getting in there uh, and seeing what you've done is mind-blowing. Uh, it, it really is. It really is. It's one of the – I always say you 
and Ford Reiki up in uh, Halfway Rock Light in Maine. And my friend Nick Korstad has done a couple of lighthouse restorations as a private owner. They're yeah. my favorite lighthouse owners, private lighthouse owners. <laughs> that wow. Form a little club, I think. But, uh, you know, there's other good ones. I, I don't mean to slight anybody else. There's a lot of good ones around. But as far as people I I know and I've really observed what what you've accomplished, it's uh, it's just absolutely amazing. Um, the pl place, uh, you, in, there's one place, uh, one floor in the lighthouse, you have some beds. And you said something about, um, uh, you were quoting an article, I think, where they said something about a, a cozy ship's oh, cabin. And that's what it, yeah. kind of what it looks like. I think the globe came out the the day it was you know opened and displayed the light in 1905, and they called the the uh, the bunk room. It reminded them of let me see if I get this right: a cozy little cabin in a smart little steamer. <laughs> That's a great phrase. I love that. Isn't it? And I was just like, ah, oh, close your eyes and picture what the, what does that mean to you? And so that's what we built. Mm -hmm. You so, should have that on the wall or have it embroidered on pillows or something you can put on the beds. I love that's that. That's a good idea. Yeah, we do need some throw pillows in there. That's an excellent idea. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that. So any other restoration projects in the pipeline at this point? I'm sure you'll just be glad to get the lens project done. But the preservation of a place like this, of course, is never finished. You get to what you think is the end. You got to start over again, basically. Yeah, there's some things that are definitely failing. Uh, the windows and a lot of the uh, waterproofing. And uh, some of the plumbing, you know, it's stuff, everything corrodes out there. So it's a, it's a tough environment. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, if people heard you before on the podcast, we talked about it. I just want to mention quickly again, how, uh, remind me of the project, uh, how you got the, the new windows in the lighthouse. You had a special kind of a special deal on that. Do you know what oh, I'm talking about? Well, yeah. We were in a TV ad for Harvey windows mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, it was like a lighthouse. I mean, like a window guy comes on a lobster boat to an offshore lighthouse and a keeper brings him in. It was really cute. It really was. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they had offered me free windows, for which I thought was really generous um, for letting them use the lighthouse. But uh, at the same time, I had hired my brother-in-law to build the windows based on the plans from 1903. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I could have gotten historically made factory windows, I think. We just had to hand build them. Okay. I wasn't quite sure about that because uh, in the commercial, they show them actually, it looks like they're actually installing a window in the lighthouse. Maybe they temporarily put it in or something. They did. Then they deinstalled it. <laughs> okay, good. Because I was thinking that doesn't look like the windows I've seen in that lighthouse. No, but so, they actually look pretty snug and tight. I'm just wondering if I should call them up. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they were snug, would be snug and tight, but not historically correct. But yeah. it's hard to. It's hard to find a, a balance with that, but the commercial is on YouTube. I know that if people want to look it up, search for Harvey Windows Graves Lighthouse. It's definitely uh, on YouTube. It's fun to fun to see. So I have one final question for you for uh, for bonus points. Okay? okay, that question is: What have you enjoyed most about this whole lens project? I think it's an easy one. It's um, the people that we've come across along the way, along the journey and made so many new friends. And uh, I don't know, just kind of did this with a team of a giant posse of well-wishers and and lighthouse fans and just good friends. Well, that uh, I'm not, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Uh, and I know that you, you know, you're the kind of guy who inspires that kind of uh, cooperation and, and friendship at that Thank place. You, so. Thank so you. congratulations. You're, you're welcome. Congratulations on accomplishing uh, something that's both crazy and amazing and 
and just uh you know it's it's t totally unique uh there's there's uh i think it may be breaking new ground i think there's a talk of a at least one other major for a lens going back into a lighthouse but it's not it's not a uh, homemade lens right I've never heard of a project anything like this and i don't think there there will ever be a project like it again so. well, i had sally snowman out on saturday from boston light she was just yeah. in the area and was putting by so i had her and her husband jay and her brother-in-law um jack come and uh she was out of she just held her hand to her mouth <laughs> I had her push the button to start the lens up to get it to rotate and she oh, just wow. i thought she was gonna cry she was so moved I can easily picture that knowing Sally. That's great yeah. that she got got to see that. Oh, that is yeah. so great. And again, for listeners, I'm sure most know, but Sally Snowman is the official keeper at Boston Light and actually the only official lighthouse keeper in the country still employed by the federal government. So, And uh, she's our closest next door neighbor. Absolutely. Yeah. What, three miles? Is it three miles yeah, between the like two that. lighthouses? Yeah. But uh, very much in plain view of each other. So, Dave, thanks so much for spending this time with me. I know you're you're a really busy guy, and this project has been, uh, I'm sure, very consuming. Uh, so, congratulations again, and I'm looking forward to seeing the new flash of that uh, first order from L Lens. Thank uh, you, you Dave. Both. Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> bye bye. To follow the progress of restoration projects at Graves Light, check out graveslightstation.com. Dave Waller is the perfect steward for that lighthouse. I lived in Winthrop, Massachusetts with a view of that lighthouse for years, and I'm so happy to see it so well taken care of. And the lens project is beyond incredible. Be sure to check out uslhs.org to learn about all the things the U.S. Lighthouse Society offers, including preservation grants, the passport program, and lighthouse tours all over the world. Remember that memberships and donations help support this podcast. Next week, we're going to hear about an unusual and fascinating lighthouse photography project, and we're also going to talk with the producer of the winning video in our recent National Lighthouse Day dance contest. Yay! To everyone who works or volunteers at a lighthouse, thanks for all you do. We are all on the same team. With that, to all our regular listeners and our new ones, thanks so much for listening and keep a good light. Let it shine.